When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, Arctic Exploration and Yellow Things. I've done about 12 seasons in the Arctic now and five down in Antarctica, just chasing the daylight back and forth. There's a higher concentration of wildlife than almost anywhere else on the planet. There's penguins, there's whales, there's so much color in the ice. It's, it's actually like a just explosion of marine life that's happening in a really concentrated area. Sea ice is kind of particular just because it can get blown around so much by the winds, there's currents, there's a, a unique set of skills that is involved with safely maneuvering through sea ice. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show if you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest is an Arctic and Antarctic guide, explorer, pilot, and photographer. We're going to talk about what it's really like at the extremes of our planet, the wildlife you find there, and how these areas are quickly changing. This is Arctic Wilderness Guide. Natalie Gillis. What's it like working up there? So I work in Antarctica and the Arctic, kind of bipolar. I'll chase the 24 hours of daylight. So in the Austral summers, I'll be down in Antarctica. And in the Northern Hemisphere summers, I'll be in the Arctic. I've done about 12 seasons in the Arctic now and five down in Antarctica, just chasing the daylight back and forth. And then what's it like up there? I don't know. It's really beautiful. Remote places, very sparsely populated just serene, quiet. I like to think that it's like as far away on planet Earth as you can get from like a busy shopping mall or traffic. I always get confused as to which one's north and which one's south. <laughs> I mean, I know the North Pole is north and the South Pole is south, but the yeah. Arctic is above Arctic, us? And the... Yeah, Arctic is, uh, is north. So North Pole is the Arctic and South Pole, Antarctica. So when you work up there, though, is there just, it's just you in a tent or like what is the surroundings like? Uh, it depends, I guess, what I'm doing up there. So I've done a variety of different things. I worked as an expedition guide. And while I've been guiding, that's self-supported. So living in a tent, cooking on a stove, um, depending on the trip, it could either be hiking. So with the hiking trips, you're dropped off by a charter aircraft just with a backpack and kind of everything that you'd need for like two weeks in your backpack. And you just go hiking around and yeah, you sleep in a tent 
you just go wander around places that look interesting. It's just exploring. And then uh, some trips I do would be canoeing, some would be sea kayaking. Others that aren't self-supported would be snowmobile trips out to, say, the Flow Edge to check out narwhal or polar bears. And then when I'm working up there as an aviator, we usually have a base that we stay at. So you go flying all day and then come back to kind of like a dormitory style research base or crew house. Every, every trip is different. When I think about it, I'm just imagining kind of a barren, basically like a frozen desert. Is that essentially what uh, it's like? Very much depends where you are. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the Arctic and the Antarctic being very desolate, barren, kind of void of color, wasteland-like areas. But in some places they are. In some places are very much not that. So if you go down to the Antarctic Peninsula, there's a higher concentration of wildlife than almost anywhere else on the planet. There's penguins, there's whales, there's so much color in the ice. It's it's actually like a just explosion of marine life that's happening in a really concentrated area. So there's a lot going on down there. And if you go up to the Arctic, there's beautiful colors in the rocks and the tundra is alive with wildflowers if you go at the right time of the year and animals are beautiful as well. So it depends very much where you're talking about because there's quite a big umbrella when you talk about the Arctic and the Antarctic, but there's so much underneath that umbrella. What drew you to it? I first fell in love with kayaking when I was kind of a teenager. I grew up in the city, very much to, in a family of city people. And I just love the idea of going north. And I always had these stacks of National Geographic magazines. And I love the idea of exploring kind of what laid beyond the city. So I got really into sea kayaking. And if you're really into sea kayaking, going to the Arctic is kind of like going home. It's the place to go if you're really serious about sea kayaking. So I started off in the Arctic and then got some experience and then started leading trips down in Antarctica as well. The thing that would obviously jump out at me, right, is like, okay, but does the cold still steer people away or is that kind of a draw for you? Yeah, the cold. The cold is definitely a <laughs> big part of it. Um, I don't know. It's something I think that you get used to a little bit over time. Um, it makes certain things a little bit easier. For example, like food preservation. It's a lot easier to be keeping food fresh if it's cold outside. Things don't spoil as easily so you can take fresher food with you and overall have a better experience if you're eating well. Um, so that's a consideration. Um, it's a lot easier to dress for the cold than it is to, say, dress for the heat and have to, like, cool yourself down. It's always easier to layer up. So you have a little bit more control over your own personal climate, I'd say, in, in, in the cold. Um, down on the Antarctic Peninsula, where I just was, it was really cold. So it was uh, probably about negative 40 or so when we were up on the Antarctic Plateau, uh, which was really cold. And then you throw the wind chill in there and it gets, you know, even colder. So it's a, it's a consideration for sure, but it's something that you just kind of start to live with and it becomes less and less scary the more and more you're exposed to it do you ever get used to the point where like you don't worry about it uh, i think you always worry about it it's always a consideration um when i'm working as a pilot you have to think a little bit more about the airplane so for example you want the battery to start so you always have to kind of be thinking about keeping the battery warm so that you know you can start your airplane to get to where you need to go photographer guide pilot where do you where are you landing? Where are we landing? Like you're just landing on ice? Uh yeah. Um so it also depends. Like Arctic and Antarctic can be very different. So in the Arctic, um you can think of that as sort of a land that's uh just surrounded by a lot of water. And most of our landings that we're doing up there are on big tundra tires. So really, really big tires, low inflation, so you can kind of bounce them down onto the tundra. Um so a lot of what we call off strip work, so 
landing in places where there isn't a kind of conventional runway. Um, and then any mix of stuff down in Antarctica, we're, we're just landing on skis. So we've got these flat skis and they pretty much let you land anywhere. It's relatively flat, which is kind of nice. Um, I want to get into the photography aspect of it. So did you kind of set out initially to do the photography or was that kind of a side effect of it? Like you felt you kind of developed that over time. The photography is definitely an afterthought. Um, I'm very much drawn to the experiences of being out there and photography is a way for me to help share and communicate the things that I find really beautiful and important about the places that I'm lucky enough to go to. Um, very much just a hobby thing. Like when I'm working as a guide, first and foremost, I'm guiding and, you know, the safety of, and the experience that my clients are having is first and foremost. And then if I can find some time in there to play with my camera, it's a bonus. Um, but I also find it kind of enhances the experience a little bit. Like you can communicate to other people like, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. Like, check out this composition. Hey, have you seen like this whale that I saw using my telephoto? Like, let's go check it out kind of thing. So I think it, it helps enhance the experience, but it's definitely not why I'm, why I'm going to these places or doing these things. It just happens to be a way that I've developed to share, share it. The thing that jumped out at me looking at your Instagram was the animal pictures, right? Like that's just fascinating to me. What kind of animals are you generally encountering? When I'm down in Antarctica, the things I love photographing most are the humpback whales. They're so cool. So usually I'm in my kayak and I've got a telephoto lens, so Sigma 150 to 600, and it kind of just lives like right in between my legs while I'm paddling along. And then if I'm lucky enough to see some whales, it's just a matter of taking it up and, and trying to get some of the some of the whale shots, uh, which are really fun. Uh, they're probably my favorite animal to photograph. They're just so intelligent and sentient. Sometimes they come up to your, like right up to your kayak and you've got a telephoto lens on and it's like, well, this is useless because now the whale is too close for me for my lens. But uh, they're really cool to photograph because they're they're an engaging whale. They're kind of goofy. They don't, they're not really scared of you. Like they'll, they're more curious than anything. So they're kind of fun. Um, I like shooting penguins while I'm down there as well. There's tons of them. Uh, when I'm up in the Arctic, muskoxen are a really big one they're just like such unique kind of prehistoric looking animals that isn't really an animal that you would see anywhere else really on the planet i love photographing them they've got this big wispy fur that comes off of them it's just it looks so beautiful when the wind plays with it and then obviously the polar bears are are a pretty big ticket one they're fun to photograph but they're also a little bit more challenging to photograph as well so a little bit harder but i i don't know i like it all are they how do they react to people i would imagine are they used to us? Or are they not used to us? Uh, it very much depends where you are, what time of year, what else is going on around you. So my favorite time to photograph bears would be on the sea ice in the springtime. So you get bears that they've come out of hibernation a long time ago. They're really, really well fed. There's a lot of seals and seal pups on the ice. So these bears are having like a buffet of their favorite foods around at all times. So they're not really that concerned with humans being around. They're still curious and investigative, but they're not actively hunting you, which makes it kind of a nice time to be out there and engaging with the animals because, you know, you're, you're not as concerned. You're, there's still always an element of risk, but it's a time of year where it is a very um, opportune time to be, to be photographing them. Will the polar bears hunt you? Uh, there's always a chance. If you spend enough time around them, you get to learn their behavior. So you can tell the difference between a bear that's skittish and doesn't want to have anything to do with you versus a bear that's uh say protective of their cubs if they have any around or you know you get like a big male bear that just is concerned with kind of 
being big and being in his territory. And then you get some of the curious juvenile bears that don't really know what humans are. And they're, they're more so just interested. I think animals are a lot like people. They have a lot of personality and it's uh, maybe not so accurate to like throw big generalizations out. Like all polar bears are like this. They're, they're just kind of like people. Sometimes you get people on good days. Sometimes you get people on bad days. Sometimes you get like really chilled out polar bears and sometimes you get really angry ones. It's yeah, it just depends so much. Now, are you generally, like, are you purposely going out and saying, like, okay, today I'm going to go get a picture of this bear, or I'm going to go get a picture of this animal, or do you kind of have to just take opportunities as they come? I'd say absolutely, or I'm just taking opportunities as they come. Uh, I think I learned pretty quickly that when you're in these places, it's not up to you. It's up to the weather. It's up to the conditions. It's up to the sea ice, and you're just there to experience it. Sometimes you don't get a single polar bear in two weeks and sometimes you get like three or four a day and it's just a matter of appreciating what you've got on that particular day with that set of set of conditions that you have in front of you and you know sometimes you really want to go like check out a polar bear that's a couple of miles in that direction but the sea ice is too thin so you just can't and yeah very much the weather the weather is king up there it dictates what you're doing and and where you're going so are you ever ever in either of those places in winter or what seasons do you generally are you are you going to go it does happen that I'm up there in the winter. I spent last winter working out of a small Inuit community called Resolute Bay, which is on uh, Cornwallis Island in Nunavut. Um, so I was working as a pilot up there. Um, I was there when the sun set below the horizon for the last time for the winter. So um, yeah, it just dips below the horizon and then there's 24 hours of darkness until it, it returns in the springtime. Um, it's beautiful up there. You get some northern lights occasionally while you're flying. If there's a full moon out, it creates this like really beautiful silver light that just like blankets the entire tundra and it's covered in snow. It's, it's super beautiful, but it is cold. It's different. Do you have to, when it's like that, you know, because of the temperatures and the conditions, do you have to use any kind of specialized equipment or are you like, nope, got this at Best Buy, this is going to work? Right. So from a photography aspect, there isn't really anything that unique about my kit that would be any different from anyone in, say, the continental U.S., would be using. Um, so I use a Pelican case, which is like a hard shell case to keep my photography equipment in. And that's just a product of being able to throw it around and bang. And I'm pretty hard on my gear. So having that case, I can kind of not think about keeping my lenses protected as much because they're in their case and I can just throw the case around and it's fine. Um, in terms of the cold and my equipment, I just keep a lot of batteries and I always have some tucked into pockets that are really close to my body. And once one dies, another one goes in and they just get swapped out. And I'll, I'll usually have like six or eight of them on my body at any one time. So if one of them conks out on me and there's like an amazing polar bear in front of me, it's, it's just a matter of having to pull another one out and put it in. But other than that, there's nothing else that's really specialized about my equipment. It's really actually kind of nice being out there because it's so dry. So there isn't a lot of moisture that can get into the lenses or, or anything. Like so when you, when you say guiding somebody, right? Like, oh, okay. But are you guiding them because to a certain area because they don't know, I guess, why are you guiding them in the sense that like, man, you really got to know what you're doing up here or no, this is how you get to this place. They're generally pretty specialized areas. So the average recreationalist would perhaps need a specialized set of skills in order to successfully achieve their goals. So if they want to kayak in the sea ice sea ice is kind of particular just because it can get blown around so much by the winds there's currents there's a, a unique set of skills that 
is involved with safely maneuvering through CA. So that's uh, one e pretty easy example of why someone would hire a guide for that kind of trip. Um, you get a lot of people signing up for sort of commercial tours because financially it makes a little bit more sense to split the overhead costs with a small group of people. So say you have someone that really wants to explore this national park, it's call it a $20,000 charter to take an aircraft up there. So if they can split that with six people and they get a guide, it makes a little bit more sense. And there's also the camaraderie as well. Um, these trips tend to be small, like-minded groups of people. So you get to know and have some companions for your adventure, which is always really good. Safety is a really big aspect of it. Um, I'm a certified wilderness first responder. So kind of like medical in the field stuff, um, have those set of skills that are really good to have in these places that are really, really remote that you might not be able to get a helicopter to if you needed to for a medical evacuation, for example. So lots of reasons. Where are you generally going? All over. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty big map. Um, in the Arctic, I was doing a lot of expeditions on Ellesmere Island, which if you think of Canada, it's kind of like pointed like this on the map. It's, it's the last, island, last big island before the North Pole. And then you've got Baffin Island in the Eastern Arctic. Um, it was another really big focus of mine. Down in the Antarctic, I've spent quite a few seasons kayaking on the Antarctic Peninsula, which is that big piece of land that juts out towards South America. Um, and then most recently while I was down there, I was taking people back and forth to the South Pole, um, a lot of climbers in and out of Mount Vincent, which is the highest mountain in Antarctica. So people that would want to climb that, um, yeah, depends all over the place. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Let's go. What would you say is your scariest experience? Oh boy. I'd say being out on the sea ice in the springtime in the Canadian Arctic Overall, it's probably the scariest experience. Um, the sea ice is getting less and less predictable. Um, even in the short time that I've been guiding up in the Arctic, it's it's less and less predictable. And if it's less and less predictable, it's a little it's scarier and scarier because, in my mind, things are scary if you don't understand them. And it's getting harder and harder to really understand what's going on with the sea ice because the conditions are changing so rapidly. Um, so I'd say being out on the sea ice is probably one of the scariest, you know, you've got like a set depth of ice that you're living on, you're sleeping on, you're traveling on. Sometimes it gets thinner in certain areas. Sometimes it gets thicker in certain areas. You don't really know. There's not really a way of knowing exactly how deep the ice is underneath you without being able to actually prod it. So being out on the sea ice and traveling over it is probably one of the scariest things that I, I've been doing recently. Okay, I'm going to reveal my ignorance. So I guess when you say sea ice, like I'm imagining like just ice floating in the water, but this is more like frozen parts of the ocean that you're kind of basically living on. Yeah, exactly that. So you get uh, areas of land and in between those areas of land, the ocean, it's so cold in the, in the winter that the ocean freezes over completely. And the goal of these trips is to go to where the frozen ocean ends because it ends really, really abruptly. So you get frozen ocean to a point called the flow edge, which is where the ice ends and the open water begins. And that's a really interesting area because that's where you get the biggest concentration of wildlife. So you get narwhals cruising along the flow edge, you get polar bears kind of walking along the edge, seals everywhere, lots of bird life. It's, it's called the line of life and it's where like the coolest stuff is happening in the Arctic. So when I refer to being out on the ice, I'm, I'm kind of referring to going out over to the sea ice where all the cool animals are hanging out. 
leads us into this question. Hardest animal to get a photograph of? Narwhal. <laughs> that's, that's kind of an easy one. So um, when you're out on the sea ice, you're walking around on the ice and whales are really, really sensitive to sound. They can hear what's going on on the surface above them. So unless you're like really, really quiet, they can hear your footsteps. And a lot of these times the narwhal don't like being around humans. So they try to avoid them. So trying to get a photograph of a narwhal is very, very challenging. Um, one thing that I've done is uh, if you stick around a pot of narwhal for a long time, you can kind of check out and start to understand their feeding habits. You notice that they'll go under the ice, they'll feed. And then because they're holding their breath while they're under the ice, they'll have to come up for a breath of air. So if you think like a narwhal, you're under the ice, you're feeding, you really, really want to have a breath. You're probably going to come up at the edge of the ice at a place where it's like the most convenient, like the first breath that you can take. So you try and find a spot on the sea ice that kind of cuts out at like a V and the narwhal will typically come up at the, you know, angle of that V, which is the first place that they can have a breath. So I've done it before where you can get a group of people. And if you're really, really still for like half an hour, you can lay on your belly on the side of the sea ice, kind of with your elbows, like hanging over the edge. And it's happened a couple of times that I've had narwhal come straight up and almost blow like straight into your face because they just surface right there. It's a really cool experience because, you know, you're, you're sitting there silent for like 20, 30 minutes, hoping maybe you might get a narwhal, maybe you won't. And then just like out of absolutely nowhere, they just like right in your face. It's really cool. And then are they gone in an instant or do they like linger for a second? Gone, gone. <laughs> Have... They might take like a breath or two and then they're gone. Really hard to photograph. Have you ever like left the lens cap on? I mean like, oh crap. <laughs> I've already left the lens cap on. Uh, I don't really use lens caps, not really for a reason. I just lose them so often that I, I just, I don't have them. Um, but I've done every stupid thing that you can think of. I've gone out without batteries. I've gone out without memory cards. I've deleted whole memory cards, like full of incredible, wonderful photographs. Just like, oh, I, that's gone now. Which one do you like more? North Pole or South Pole? Um, but which do I like better? Um, it's they're so different for many, many different reasons. I'd say for wildlife, I like Antarctica, and for landscape, I like the Arctic. And just to confirm, Antarctica is south, and North Ar the Arctic is north. I really thought it, they were yeah. the same thing. I honestly did. Right? It's amazing how you can go to college <laughs> and write. you still don't know anything about the world. You're really not alone in that at all. Actually, what I find really funny is, uh, so polar bears, they only live in the Arctic. There's no polar bears down in Antarctica, but it's amazing how many people you'll have on like a two week kayak trip in Antarctica. And at the end of the trip, we'll be like, yeah, everything was great, great food, great guiding, wonderful. But like, we didn't see any polar bears. <laughs> That's like one of their key complaints. And then you'd be like, oh, well, God. yeah, it's, it's, it's a God thing. dang, have you ever had somebody like book the trip specifically to see polar bears and then realize like, oh, crap, pick the wrong. I don't think, spe I don't think specifically, but you definitely get some people who haven't done a great deal of research, uh, which I mean, it just leaves them an opportunity to go to the north and be able to compare the two and hopefully see a polar bear up there. So 
on a more serious note, right? Like you've been going up there, I think you said either 12 years or 12 seasons. Have you seen it change with the climate? Like, have you seen the effects of climate change on those areas? Yeah, big time. There's uh, one hike that I used to love. It was like my first big hike that I ever did in the in the Arctic. It was through this beautiful valley on Baffin Island called Ayuita. When I first went there, there were glaciers that would come down off of the penny ice cap and they'd touch the valley floor. And just flying over them recently, they're they're just not there anymore. They've almost completely disappeared from the valley, which is like one of the most beautiful parts of of that part of the world. So it's 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 sad seeing them gone. Um, but I think more so, um, if you talk to the people who live up there year round, because I, like I said, I go up there seasonally, I, I might be able to see some changes over the seasons, but really the people you want to talk to are the people that live there that have spent their entire lives up there. And they're seeing a lot of changes in how things are happening with the wildlife, uh, with the seasons, um, overall climate. And, and they're really the people that we should be listening to. And there's a lot of changes happening up there. Is it oversaturated at all? Do you think like, wait a minute, there's too many people coming up here now? You know what? I've always really thought that people care about beautiful places and they care about places that they form an attachment to. So are there too many people going up there? I don't think so, because I think that the people that are going up there are having an experience that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. And they're going to go home and they're going to tell their friends all over the globe. Hey, I just had this really cool experience, like seeing this iceberg, like seeing these penguins, seeing these polar bears in their natural habitats. It's beautiful. I've talked to the local people and they're saying, you know what, like things are changing really, really rapidly up here. Um, and, and they're sharing those messages with people that uh, who wouldn't be able to see or experience those places otherwise. So I don't think it's oversaturated up there because I think that the people that are going up there are having experiences that are meaningful. So the more people that have more meaningful experiences and care about these really beautiful places, the more people will be caring about them and, and maybe more willing to make changes. So I don't think so. Um, that's really all the questions that we got. What's kind of coming up next for you? How can people get some of your artwork if they want a guided trip? What should they do? So I'm heading back up to the Arctic to do some wheel ski work. Um, so a lot of flying, um, potentially like some field caching, just general aviation work up in the Arctic. Uh, I'm also hoping to do a little bit more photography while I'm up there. Maybe see some muskox, see some polar bears. Um, I've also got a little project I'm working on right now where I've taken my photographs and I've translated them into stickers that I have for sale. And I also have a book of poems that I wrote actually during COVID. So while I was uh, stuck at home and people weren't traveling to the North Pole and South Pole or in the polar regions, I did a master's degree in poetry and I came up with my book. It's called This is Where Atlanta Sank and it's a book of poetry and photography. Uh, so it's for sale on my website. I want to thank Natalie so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And we have also included her information in the episode description. The pictures that she has taken really showcase the beauty of this landscape. And I did not know that that is what the Arctic and the Antarctic look like until I saw some of these pictures. They really are amazing and give you an incredible window into this world. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. Do you know where Antarctica is? It's in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, I really always thought Antarctica was the one that was in the Northern Hemisphere. I mean, it's really not that difficult. The North Pole is the Arctic and the South Pole is Antarctica. Yeah, but I've always found that like if you get something wrong in your head, there's no correcting it. <laughs> I'm still 100% confused if the shower curtain goes inside the tub or outside the tub. And no amount of explaining or being yelled at by people has ever really solidified that answer in my head. I still don't, I, I don't know, I still don't know. That's pretty absurd. It obviously goes inside the tub. Well, you have a liner that goes inside, and then the actual curtain is on the outside. That's what confuses me. Which one is supposed to go inside? Because one is supposed to go inside and the other is supposed to go outside. And I can never remember if the liner goes inside the tub and the curtain goes outside. If they both go inside, if they both go outside. You're really thinking about this. It's it's not that hard. But don't you have something that, like, for some reason, you can just never remember how this is supposed to work? No, not off the top of my head. I mean, for me, I, I'm not sure if it's actions that I, that I do, but I, it's words that get me, like... Uh, for instance, we have a chain of grocery stores in the Midwest called Meyer, but I say Meyers. I add an S onto it, and it makes no sense, but I'll never change because to me, it'll always be Meyers, not Meyer. Um, I'm a little upset already, to be honest with you. Why is that? Why is that this episode? Why are you upset now? It seems to be coming out around a certain date. Oh, right, right. <laughs> uh, I actually know what the date is. Um, what is I, it? I just don't know what number it is for you. I'm trying to forget personally. Here's my question about it, though, besides the fact that you didn't wish me happy birthday. Do you feel younger in <laughs> odd number? Do you feel younger? Do you feel younger or older? In odd-numbered years or even-numbered years? Because I'm going to be in an odd-number year, and I feel younger than when my birthday, when my age is in even-numbered year. I always feel older in even-numbered years. I, I don't know even know how to answer that. I feel older looking back on it and realizing that I'm going to have been on this earth for 36 years. Yeah, but so to me, 36 feels older than 37. <laughs> 37 is like, oh, I'm young in my late 30s. 36 is late in your mid-30s. So you're what? You're uh, you're born in what, 84, right? 82? 82. 
82. So I'll be yeah. 40 I'll be 41, Oof. which feels younger, which feels younger to me than 40. I feel I can, younger like I'm ready for 41, like man, I'm in my early 40s. Last year was like, "Oh, I'm turning 40." <laughs> I feel younger now than I did last year. I mean, I mean, what give give us something. Give me something. What is a birthday wish that you hope to uh to have happen to you this upcoming birthday year? I have reached the age and for people who may turn 40 soon, I have reached the age where pretty much you're just you start to wonder like, man, am I gonna die tomorrow? <laughs> you are you are not that you, uh, when you hit midlife, you start to wonder, like, man, I hope I make it to there. You start to worry you start to think about your death. So this and it's pot- no longer it, it is no longer a certainty. You no longer feel like it is a certainty that you will be around. Here's something kind of crazy. This podcast has seen you literally go from one decade to the next. This podcast is that old as well. From roughly 2018, so five years, half of a decade. Seen both of us, really. Yeah, but I mean, it's seen you go from your 30s, young, vibrant, hip man, to now you're wondering if you're going to wake up the next morning. It's weird. It's amazing how quickly life can change in just a short period of time. I think that your life fundamentally changes every three years. Every three years, you are in a new phase of life, and you would say that you are completely different than you were three years before that. Most important question, what kind of birthday cake are you going to have? I get a thing called Chocolate Lush. It's not a cake. Ooh. Explain. It's fucking amazing. Chocolate Lush is basically like a mag- – I don't know how to explain it. It's basically like a chocolate pie. But Ooh. served in a dish. I don't know. Just you gotta. I can't. I am. Not, I realized this weekend that I am not good at describing things. Like if my wife, who I have been happily married to since 2014, was gone or was like missing, I wouldn't know. I can't describe people's faces. I cannot describe the way things look. Like if somebody even asked me, like, what does John look like? He's got hair. He's um, two eyes. Nose. I can't describe people. I was trying to describe somebody that I was telling my wife about. I was like, "What did they look like?" I don't. I. I they have like a person. Can you just like? Can you describe people? I I think no no, but I I, I think the problem is with that. Most people look generic. There are very few people that actually like you can pinpoint them. Like hey. Susie, you know, Susie has blue hair, a nose ring, and tattoos all over her body, right? For you, it'd be, it'd be, oh, hey, Nick is average size, nice hair, blue eyes. Oh, you said nice hair. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. I can't describe people. Like, if I was in front of a sketch artist, it would just look like (laughs) anybody else. (laughs) I don't know. Moving on. Let's move. Moving on up. I was told the other day that I have a nice singing voice, so take that for what it is. Right. So go try out for American Idol Songbird. Is that still around? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I was actually I was flipping through channels the other. It was like Saturday night at like two a.m. and a replay of it was on. At least I think it was a replay. 
And uh, the guest, like the panel, is Katy Perry, Luke Bryan, and Lionel Richie now. That's the three judges they had on the panel. And I was like... Lionel Richie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Man, they're scraping. Those shows have run their course. Any yeah. of those kind of American Idol dancing... is. If that's even still around, like, ooh, you're running out of people. The fats. It's who's, gonna, the, like, who's the fats? I don't know. What are you talking about? Didn't you just say the fats? No. Dancing with the stars. Wait, you... What are you... You didn't just say the fats? No, I think you're hearing things. <laughs> oh, are you fucking with me right now? No, what are you oh. talking about? <laughs> I, no, I, I swear to God, you were like talking, and then you said, "Oh, and the and the fats," and then you kept talking. I I don't know, man. Whatever. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I, you, maybe you should just edit that out. I don't know. I sound like a crazy person. Maybe ease, maybe ease up on the chemicals when you're redoing that basement, man. <laughs> I feel like feel like they're starting to get to you a little bit. Yeah. Right, I saw that. Right, there was a person behind you. Right, right. That's okay. my son. He Thanks likes to God. come in here. He's he's a cat recently. All right, good. Well, oh, oh. he's not a cat. He's a Pokemon of various. What kind of Pokemon are you? He just <laughs> farted. That's all he's. That's well, his new thing. All right. Uh, once, once once a boy discovers farts, he'll never be the same. Oh man, no joke. All right, let's give some shout outs. Uh, let's see, Milton McDonald, Drew Kerber. Blake Nixdorf, Kyle Gotthard the second. <laughs> it's it's probably actually it's probably actually Gothard, but it's, it's probably Gothard. But if yeah. it's Gothard, God, how much how much do you think that they hate that? <laughs> hey, Gothard. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Tyriona Taylor, uh, Aaron Wilhoit. Preston Bryant, Madden Moans, John Retke, and Pete O'Connell. And uh, O'Connell has the apostrophe between the O and the C, obviously. And I wanted to get your opinion on that. What do you think of names that have like, uh, you know, John O'Malley, Pete O'Connell? I think they're probably of Irish descent and that that's their name. What do you want me to say? Fucking no, burn them it. all? Like, that's what do you want? That's Round it. them up. No. Round them up. No, that's, you know. Fucking just, throw them in jail. Just whatever. Uh, <laughs> what do you want? They're all pieces of shit. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Sorry. Every fucking last one of them. What do you Sorry, want? Pete. We're not talking about you, Pete. Um, not at all, uh, actually. couple of uh, bangers for you. Uh, what kind of sock guy are you? Ankle socks, long socks, you like toe socks, do you wear socks? What kind of sock guy are you? I always wear socks. I don't understand people who don't wear socks. I won't even walk around in my own house without shoes on or something covering my feet. I really don't like it. But I wear no-show socks. No and they got to be no-show. They have to, you cannot see them. I don't want the stuff that you can see it a little bit. Yeah. It's got to be no show. So I have to wear socks, but I like to pretend like I'm not. So those are ankle socks, right? 
No, I believe that there's actually a difference between no-show socks and ankle socks. Ankle socks would cover the ankle or be at the ankle. A no-show sock would not be able to be seen, hence the different names, I believe. Do you ever find yourself having to readjust your no-show sock because it slips off your foot? Because that's quite annoying. I do not. I do not. Oh, well. Because that's one thing that I will turn out pretty quickly. Like, I'm going to wear a T-shirt until it is literally falling apart and has some good holes in it. But once that sock loses the elasticity, it's out of there. I'm keeping socks for a year tops. Year tops and it's gone. What would you say is more important, a good pair of socks or a good pair of underwear? I don't wear underwear, so good socks. (laughs) My wife actually got mad at me. She's like, you got to start wearing underwear. I took it as a compliment. That my little man is showing that people are seeing it. Oh boy, it's impressive. Probably, well, you know, at forty-one, you've probably seen no decline yet, but it's it's coming soon, I'm sure. <laughs> well, it's pretty hard to decline from a negative, so <laughs> that is absolutely true. And we all feel sorry for you, but not uh, not not that sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, I, I, I'm still thinking about how I, I should have wished you a happy birthday. So I, I apologize. You're usually pretty good about it only because it falls on it's 316 and John loves what's his name? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, yeah. Austin 316. That's the only reason you remember is because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, I, I'm going to switch it up now. I, I had another BS question, but I this question, I want to know what your favorite birthday gift you've ever received has been. This snow globe of my two-year-old son. It's you- fucking, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it literally makes, it's weird how like the most important things in your life are sometimes the little tiny smaller things. It's just a snow globe with a picture of my then two-year-old in it, and I love it. It's my most prized possession. If there was a fire in my house, I wouldn't get my computer or my phone. <laughs> I would just get this snow globe. It makes me happy. Wow, I feel like you're being honest there. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's a good snow globe. Um, Other than that, I would say probably the time I got. I have never gotten good gifts for any of my birthdays or Christmases. I'm not someone who is easy to buy things for. You are probably a shithead when it comes to gift giving, I think. Mm, I'm a decent gift giver. But I'm not a good gift getter. I'm not an easy person to buy things for, mostly because I really don't want anything. I want nothing. If somebody got me like a junk removal, a gift certificate to a junk removal company to come in and get shit out of here, mm-hmm. I would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, but there ain't no one buying that. Uh, Nobody's getting that. I want no stuff. That's my birthday idea of a good birthday. What'd you get you? Nothing. Save money, and we don't have to throw anything away. Perfect. Got him a lush cake. Yeah, um, that's all I want. Give me a snow globe. Snow globe. <laughs> Maybe I'll buy you a snow globe with a picture of me in it. That'd be fine. I'll take a snow globe. <laughs> Anybody wants to send me snow globes of themselves, I'll take them, man. I'm going to have me a snow globe collection. Oh, my God. All the people I like. All the- <laughs> And my enemies. I'm going to put people I like on one side and enemies on the other. That's actually quite genius. Uh, can we can we talk about something for a second? Sure, this is a podcast. So you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I set I set myself up for that one. Um, 
You posted on our Twitter page. I, I did not post this. You did. Uh, two days ago. So, you know, we record this on, on, on Mondays usually. So this Was this is Friday or a Saturday? Because if it's a post that comes – okay, I'm going to – if our audience, who we love all of our social media followers, but if you're seeing a post on Friday or Saturday night from either myself or the Profoundly Pointless social media account, I'm high. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm getting at. First off, this isn't for me. This is definitely from you. Uh, but I kind of have an issue with this. Uh, so here it is. Uh, an orgasm for a man is the same feeling as getting into a hot tub is for a woman. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because an orgasm for a man is kind of like, ah, ah, that felt good. I needed that. My wife and I had this conversation and she was like, oh, yeah, that's how I feel when I get into a hot tub. Like, ah, or a massage for a woman. It's like you got to get it out. For our female audience, like men, when they go, it's like a relief. It's like, ah, <laughs> ah. I think women enjoy it. For a man, it's like that had to be done, and I liked it. That felt good. Okay. Okay, I, you really took that one and ran with it. I didn't think you were going to get it. You don't do that. agree that an orgasm for a man is like a massage or getting into a hot tub for a woman? I mean, I, I don't know what it's like. Like that I, needed I, to be done. I can tell you as a man, I don't I don't think getting into a hot tub is the same as, you know. I don't like hot tubs. I've always hated hot tubs. It's too fucking hot. Well, that is the point of hot tubs. Uh, all right. Well, we'll move on from that. Uh, let's see. A couple things here to talk about. Uh, let's see. The, the the banks failing was one of them. Welcome to the recession. Just starting out. Uh, but that didn't win. Uh, March Madness kicks off, but no one really wanted to hear us talk about that. Thank God. Uh, I thought this one was going to win, but it didn't. Uh, cocaine Wildcat. Apparently, and I'm, I'm just going to go through this briefly. Apparently, a wild cat was found wandering the streets in Cincinnati high on some kind of drug. What kind of wild cat are we talking about, though? Like a wild cat, like a domestic cat that was just out in the wild? An actual wild cat? Like there's an animal that's called a wild cat. No, this, are we this talking was, like a bobcat? What kind this, of animal is it? This was just a... Wild space cat. A wild cat. So it was just a domestic cat that was wild? Yes. Okay. I wonder, though... Well, I'm so, surprised it doesn't happen more often. How much cocaine did it have? Um, didn't, didn't, really, uh, didn't really say. It just said that the drug test on the animal <laughs> showed that it had cocaine in its system. Um, and apparently... Why are we spending... I know that's that's one of the things I was Why wondering. Why are we like, spending that money? To, like, okay, I understand. Look, like, I have animals. I care about animals. Do we need to be drug testing cats? <laughs> like, is that was that a key component of the animal's care? Well, to be fair, I guess I guess maybe they just needed to know what's wrong with it. I guess I guess you would get a tech. Okay, that makes sense. Well, they were apparently police got you know in the fire departments got calls that it was a leopard. I guess the actual name for this animal is called a serval, S-E-R-V-A-L. So that's a wild cat. That's not a wild cat. 
It's a that's wild, like a wild animal, but not it looks a wild cat. But it looks like a wild cat to me. But they're apparently they're from sub-Saharan Africa. Right. That's a serval. That's a type of cat. You don't know what a, a serval is. Ca- yeah, I do. I've been to the zoo before. You don't know where Antarctica is. Yeah, but there's no servals in Antarctica now, is there? No, because there's no cocaine in in Antarctica. Yeah, it's a wild cat. That's actually like a wild cat, not a wild cat. Like, there's a thing that's like a wild dog. It's not a wild dog. With it, oh my God, we've we've got to stop. We got to move on. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I agree think with we're, you. We're never solving this. We're never solving this issue. All right. Well, what one were the Oscars? And uh, I was hoping this one wouldn't win because I really don't care that much about the Oscars. Uh, Didn't even know they were on. Yeah, I don't. um, You know, I I was going to I had all these questions I was thinking about asking you, uh, but I think I'm just going to end by saying I'm happy for Brendan Fraser. He's a. Oh, good for him. Yeah, that's one person that you like. Like you like to see a good redemption story. Especially somebody who's a nice guy that seems like they had a hard time. And like I, I, the kid that um, was with Indiana Jones with Harrison Ford. uh, Remember the little little Asian boy that I think was in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, He like he like won Best Director. Uh, Holy shit! He stuck with it that long. Good for him. So good for him. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis won Best Supporting Actress. So good for her. yeah, I mean, my my argument with the Oscars is half of the best pictures aren't even out. You know, they're not even in theaters or been released yet. So how are normal people supposed to make those those determinations? Like, how are we supposed to watch them and play, you know, Monday morning quarterback? You can't. No, I mean, it's for celebrating for the best in film, I believe. So it's the things that people who work in movies think are good not necessarily the things that people think are good yeah well i still think caddyshack is one of the greatest movies of all time but that doesn't have an oscar it should um no and it probably never will but that's fine that's That's one of the movies that to me if i look back on it like movies that i think should have gotten oscars caddyshack airplane yeah those are basically planes trains and automobiles planes trains and automobiles should have gotten an oscar you got mail should have an Oscar. Tom Hanks is not that good of an actor. Let it go. Okay, well he is. He's America's treasure, basically. He's probably <laughs> one of the greatest actors of all time, other than that guy who the milkshake guy. You drink my milkshake, whoever that guy is. I don't know what his name is. Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, okay, so our top five is top five yellow things. What's your number five? Uh, so let's see. I'm going to start off here with my number five as a school bus. Hmm. Very recognizable, but I don't necessarily associate it with a lot of good memories. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it represents children and, and innocence and fun and field trips and school and not being an adult and not having to pay taxes and all that other good stuff. Yeah, I guess it does kind of represent a funner time in life. I just remember it being like long rides to shit I didn't want to go to. <laughs> like, let's go to the Children's Museum. Like, fuck, man, I'm 16. I don't want to go to a kid's museum. <laughs> I don't think well, I was 16 going to a kid's museum. Okay, my number five is bananas. Okay. 
That's a, that's a, I mean, that's a good one. Um, we'll see if I have them on my list. Okay. Okay. Uh, what's your number four? Uh, cheese, specifically like American cheese. Mm, I think that's a little bit low for cheese. I okay. think the cheese should be a little bit higher, but I certainly agree with cheese being on the list of yellow things, specifically American cheese. I think that most cheese is actually white. Yeah. But there's definitely a lot of cheese that I associate cheese in my mind as being yellow, even though most cheese is white. For all of our international uh, listeners, come over to America and get you some yellow craft cheese slices. <laughs> you'll, mm. never, you'll never and be the you same. Gotta, Right, and if you're listening interna- listening internationally or really here, the cheaper you go on cheese, it can be better. <laughs> cheese is one of those things that gets better as it gets cheaper to a certain degree. Definitely tastes more like wax, that's for sure. Um, my number four, I'm going to get a little sentimental. My number four is leaves in the fall. When some leaves turn yellow, man, they look like, damn, that's pretty. Like, that's cool. Yeah, that's uh, I mean that's a good one. I mean uh I don't know how that's sentimental, but yeah, that's that's a good one. Makes you know, it just makes you take a brief little pause in life. Think and about just, where you are. Just Think enjoy about how nature. Nice it is. Just enjoy nature. Take, I like how you sneeze very loudly after that. That's a good part of nature is allergies. Don't you have a bunch of allergies? I do actually. I I just started my my allergy regiment, uh, what, last Wednesday, so it's working, can't you, have you tell? Al- Wait a minute, you have a regiment? What's, like, is this prescribed by a doctor, like a serious thing, or have you developed, like, your own regiment? Yeah, well, I mean, I just start taking allergy pills now. Uh, you know, it's, what, middle of March, pretty much, so, I mean, it's gonna be spring at some point in the next two months, so. Why don't you use the nose spray? My I dad, do. who is a retired family physician, says the nose spray is actually much better for you. I do. I use Flonase. Absolutely. Oh, all right. You can't go wrong with Flonase. Cannot go wrong with Flonase. You can't. Okay. Uh, what's your number th- three? Three. Man, so this is, man, this is where it gets tough. Um, my number three, I'm going to put the Simpsons as my number three because they are yellow. Hmm. I would make fun of that if I didn't have Pikachu as my number three. <laughs> Which, Pikachu is probably the more recognizable yellow character. I don't think people look at the Simpsons and go, oh yeah, they're yellow. But they yeah. are yellow. Okay, so definitely when, okay, at what point, how many years ago do you think that Pikachu eclipsed the Simpsons in terms of fame? Oh, I mean... I mean, probably when it, probably within a year or two after it came out. I mean, Pika, the Pikachu uh, brand is, you know, Pokemon is oh, around the that's world. Right. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I'm not saying the Simpsons aren't worldwide, but I I think that Pokemon are by far more popular than than the Simpsons are. For our audience that's maybe in their 20s, I wonder if they know who the Simpsons are. They were that was a really big deal. That show was really good when John and I were growing up. But I don't know if people in their twenties would even like if it means anything to them. If they know who like the Simpsons are. It's kinda like South Park too in our generation. Like it's still on now. But I just yeah. feel like it isn't 
you know, it, it, it isn't what it was. Um, and once again, maybe I, I don't watch it anymore. Maybe it is super popular, but. Um, but I know people who still watch South Park. I feel like South Park has fans that have stuck around and kind of grown with the show and that it has it's like its own cultural niche. Whereas I feel like The Simpsons really dropped out of that. I I love The Simpsons. I love classic Simpsons. I don't think I've seen a new episode in 10 years <laughs> or um, even thought about watching it. Okay, what's your number two? Uh, the McDonald's Arch on the McDonald's sign. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it's top five worthy. It's definitely like a yellow thing that you notice, though. I mean, how many people, when you're a kid, uh, you know, or, or just an adult, see the McDonald's and you just get happy? You know, you're getting good food get some, for get a low price. <laughs> yeah. I would say that uh, that kind of applies to what my number two is, although I would say that my number two is, you know, better, is bees. But, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing about insects that I'll argue is do people really like bees? Yeah, they do. Everybody likes bees, man. Everybody knows. First of all, you like bees. It's one of the few movies, one of the few insects that movies have been made about and not in, like, a scary way. Everybody likes bees. And you know that, like, man, don't kill the bees. We need those. People are protective of bees. I'm not taking anything away from their importance within the ecosystem but i'm also saying they're just I, I don't i don't think people actually like insects they'll tell you they do like you are saying right now but i, I don't think you actually do like bees no i'd like to see the bees though like it's like oh it's a bee it's like seeing nature you don't want it next to you like you get a little bit worried when the bee comes around <laughs> but you do like to see them you're like oh whoo whoo Good thing there's still bees around. <laughs> okay. You need bees, man. You need the bees. Uh, okay. What's your number one? Uh, we, we probably have the same number one, I would imagine. But okay. my number one is the sun. Well, the sun is white. Got it. Well. The, the sun's in, not yellow. It's white. Well, in, in, in popular culture, it's yellow, goddammit. Well, that would be wrong. It's white. The sun is actually, because I looked this up because I was going to put the sun too, and I was like, wait a minute, what color is the sun? And they're like, well, the sun is actually white. It's technically all colors, which is then defined as white. It's, it's yellow. White. The sun yellow. is white. My number one is cheese. <laughs> I I would have put it higher on my list, except kind of what you said. Uh, yellow cheese is a very small percentage of cheese. Though delicious, Yeah, it's a small percentage. I do forgot. I really think that when in my mind, because I only consider American and cheddar to be the main cheeses. <laughs> Don't come at me with your provolone bullshit, <laughs> Swiss. Get out of here. Th those aren't even good, like, different kinds of cheeses, but that's fine. Okay, cheese whiz. Let's hear what you've got. Give me some Gouda. Give me some. I mean, I, if you want to go simple but fancy, go. Let's hear your. Cheese. Let's hear your fancy. What fancy cheese go. do you have in your refrigerator right now? There. Uh, uh, let's see. Chef I, Boyardee. I have some brie. Have some gargonzola. God, you're such a snob. 
Um, you really are such a snob when it comes to food and I mean, alcohol. I mean, I like both. Why? Why would I? I there's a place in time for for dollar menu and you know uh, high life, but you know at the other end, why why wouldn't I want to have a nice you know blueberry parmesan crusted gargonzola and a nice chicken salad? You know what I mean? Because this is America. <laughs> I do. Um, I do. I can kind of understand the sun a little bit because even though it may technically be white, most people would associate the sun with being yellow, and it looks yellow when you Listen. kind of try not to look at it, but do see it. It does look yellow. I live in a part of the world where we get sun like for five months, so I fucking love it. it makes you feel good. It gives you just natural energy. Um, I'm not, I used to get really angry when the sun would wake me up, right? Like you're laying in bed, the sun comes through the window, wakes you up, you know, then you're up. You can't go back to sleep. I love it now when, you know, I, I wake up and there's sun rays on my, on my face. Some people may be like at home or wherever listening to this and wonder what we're talking about, but I live in Seattle and when the sun comes out, man, you do feel better. Yeah. It's like, it's like, ah, the sun. Like, just being in it. You do feel better as a person. Um, what's in your honorable mention? Do you have any honorable mentions for your yellow? Yeah, so I have bananas, uh, mustard, because it reminds mm, me I of, could, you know, I could, Mustard's pretty good. I like yeah. mustard. Hot dog, things like that. Hot dogs. Uh, uh, basically food from here on out. Uh, butter, <laughs> scrambled eggs, corn. Oh, yeah. Eggs uh, I only put him on the list because I think he deserves a spot on the honorable mention. But Big Bird, yeah, I could see Big um, Bird. You know, and then okay. I, okay, I, I have rubber duckies, yellow rubber duckies on the list for some reason. Yeah, I had Smiley Face on there. Okay, that's like a good the one. Smiley faces, I could see that. Um, the only other things I had besides that, which you mentioned, sunflowers, um, fire, fire can be yellow. See, I thought fire was blue, but if you say it's yellow, that's fine. Fire can be in many colors. Fire can be red, orange, blue, and even white in some cases. I don't know if the white part's true. I think I just kind of got I got carried away a little bit there. But it can be like blue, orange, red, and yellow. Uh, that's pretty much it. I have gold, but I don't actually have any gold. Like, I've never been like, oh, gold. I don't think. Do gold you have any gold? Yellow. I don't think gold is yellow. Well, it's gold, but I guess it's like a subset of yellow. No, I I, I don't have any. I don't like gold. I mean, I, I would like gold if I had gold, but I, I don't. I don't have any gold. I don't have any gold either. If you want to send us some gold, send it to me, not to Nick. I have silver from a aunt, like great great aunt that has silver. And my mother used to always ask me, like, where's the silver? And I never had the heart to tell her. Like, I have no idea. What the hell would I need this for? <laughs> Somewhere. That's Pond. Cool. That's where I've... it is. Pond. <laughs> it's long gone. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review doesn't have to be some big paragraph. can just be something quick, like the show. John does have a fantastic swinging voice. Anything really helps us out. And let us know what you think 
are some of the best yellow things. The sun is a little bit debatable to me because while it's not actually yellow, it is yellow. Like, I get that it's white, but if I think, and all of us think that it's yellow, doesn't that kind of make it yellow? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.